Talking industry, topical debate from the world of engineering, automation, and manufacturing. A DFA manufacturing media production. Skills, training, and technology. Part one. Brought to you by Smart Futures. The latest news from the only online portal dedicated to the future of digitalization. Visit smartfutures.org.uk. Hi, uh, a very warm welcome from Talking Industry and me, Aaron Blutstein. I'm uh, editor of Smart Futures and Platinumworks Engineering magazine. And our topic for this morning is skills, training and technology in manufacturing and engineering with a special focus on what's needed to help manufacturers adopt to new digital technologies. I'm joined today by Nikesh Mistry, who's the sector head of industrial automation at Gambica, and Jamie Cater, who's senior policy manager for employment at Make UK. Uh, hi, and thank you both for joining me this morning. So without further ado, <clears throat> I'll ask our guests to introduce themselves and to explain a little bit about their positions on the importance of developing skills and providing training for UK manufacturing and engineering. And then we'll start the discussion afterwards. So if I can start with you, Jamie, and then we'll move on to, to um, Nikesh. Brilliant, thanks very much, Aaron. Um, and yeah, as you've already said, I'm the Senior Policy Manager for Employment at Make UK. Uh, for those who don't know Make UK, uh, we are the manufacturers organisation. We represent around 20,000 employers across the length and breadth of UK manufacturing and engineering. Uh, and uh, my job essentially is to lead uh, Make UK's policy work on all issues related to labour market and skills. Um, so that includes lots of things like employment regulation and workplace health and safety. Um, but really, and, and for the purposes of this conversation, a huge part of my job is uh, talking about education, training, um, and really representing the sector in conversations with uh, government and, and policymakers to make sure that we have uh, a skill system that is fit to meet the needs of, of the UK's manufacturers. So I think this is a really important conversation, um, something that we as Make UK uh, have focused on a lot um, over, over recent months and years. Um, we've had a couple of reports come out recently looking at the changing skills needs in manufacturing um, and what that looks like in the next decade and beyond, um, and also a separate report looking at digital adoption um, and the barriers to uh, manufacturers investing more um, and adopting more digital technology and, and, and automation. So it's something that's really high up our agenda and something that we spend a lot of time talking to government about. Um, and we know that uh, around six in 10 manufacturers identify automation as the main driver behind changing skills needs. Around half of firms cite wider digitalization and modernization of production. Um, and we also know that a significant proportion of manufacturers believe that a lack of access to the right technical skills is one of the main barriers to further adoption of digital technology and, and, and automating processes, um, which they believe will, will contribute significantly to improving their productivity. 
Um, so I think it's a really central concern as we look to, to how uh, the sector can, can thrive in the future. Um, it's a huge part of, of, of my job um, and really looking forward to, to talking about that with, uh, with you, Aaron, and, and, and Nikesh this morning. That's great. Excellent. I'm sure there's, by the sounds of it, an awful lot to go through if we can today. Um, Nikesh, over to you. Thank you very much, Aaron. Um, <laughs> yeah, spot on. That sounds exactly like what Jamie just mentioned. You know, a lot to cover in such a um, you know short space of time, because this kind of topic is one that is you know it resonates amongst all of us within the industry. It's something that's pressing. It's it's continuously getting more and more. Um, you know, evolved as we're going through. Um, so it's always being mentioned within our members. So when I say our members, let me introduce myself, the point of this five minute introduction here. I'm uh, Nikesh Mystery. I'm the sector head for industrial automation at Gambica. Um, so Gambica, we're the trade association for instrumentation, process, control, automation, and laboratory technology in the UK. Um, so we're a membership organization. We have around um, about 240 plus member companies. Um, and within those members, they're manufacturers of varying products. We've got the process control sector, we've got the laboratory sector, and we've got my sector, which is the industrial automation. So manufacturers of discrete equipment that go into factories and the automation side of the world. Um, and they range from small, very small businesses, right through to SMEs to the large multinational companies. So we really get a good sort of insight to the different levels of different areas of the industry and where you know sometimes you may find certain certain companies with certain expertise um, have different ways of tackling you know the skills gap and this um, sort of ongoing issue we have and as Jamie mentioned it ties in hand in hand with the digitalization um, question at the moment because there are many companies that are trying to push for digitalization and tied in with that is the actual idea that you need to have the skills to be able to fit into the digitalization pool and you know, you know it doesn't just happen overnight you need to be able to have the right not just equipment but skills the expertise the knowledge the know-how and then also the leadership side of things as well you need to be have the approval from above so loads of things encompass um you know the idea of the skills and training um so with the gambica members we're always discussing um, these topics within our membership groups. We also, at the same time, we've just started our university and industry collaboration group, where we're trying to collaborate the university members that we have alongside our industry because we feel there's a gap in the in the sort of um, the I don't know what the word is here, the status quo maybe between the two of them. Um, so you know, there's actually a gap between that. So we're trying to bridge that. Um, and we've also created a young persons council where we're looking at the skills of the younger workforce as well. So we're doing a lot at the moment to try and improve um, what we can in our knowledge and how, where, where our members um, are learning from as well. Um, and also at the same time, it's a personal invested interest. I myself am a STEM ambassador um, and it's part of something that we're also trying to do at Gambico at the moment. So promote promote the STEM side of things as well in the school, because when it comes to these sort of things, it's not, it's not just a work, workforce, um, workforce issue, it's also, it stems down right away to schools and things like that. That's great, yeah. I mean, if I, if I can maybe start, because I suppose at the beginning, um, <laughs> because you know, the UK you know, has 
the UK has uh, the most educated workforce in its history, and and yet we still struggle, I think, with with skills as, as a nation. I mean, how, how do you both feel about the you know the state of um, skills, engineering skills in the UK today, as it as we as we are to, at this moment in time? What would you, uh, Nikesh, start with you, maybe? <laughs> sure. So, um, I mean, talking from my own opinion. I think we we are we are as we are behind um, in being able to have this the workforce with the skills required to be able to reach the digitalization push that we're having at the moment. Um, there is there is a lack of finding that skilled workforce, and there is there isn't becoming um, evidence to prove this. So um, our CEO Steve Bramley he sits on the the Eurist Task Force. So the European Union Relationship and Industrial Strategy Task Force. Um, so it's basically it's an advisory body um, which monitors the impacts of the relationship between the EU, the UK, the government, manufacturers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He sits on this task force, and recently um, the Minister Lee Rowley um, was actually asking um, members, Gambica members, for um, input into a, a skills survey. Um, um, to find the key findings amongst that. And um, I'm not sure if it's been published just yet, um, but one of, the, one of the alarming factors was, um, you know, 40% of respondents said that they have vacancies in their workforce. Um, wow. Yes, vacancies at the moment. So not only is there a skills shortage, but there's also a gap in the actual employment um, side of things. But then on top of that, it was, um, it was also the, the alarm that it takes about five to six months to fill the average vacancy. Um, and over 60% were reporting that these were, um, issues were affecting their day-to-day -day operations because of the lack of skills, um, trying to find that exact workforce. And in our industries, you always have the problem with needing the skilled workforce. Well, I wouldn't say problem, but you always need a skilled workforce. Um, so it's not just a, a simple application. Um, so I'd say I'd say the, the skill the, the, where we are at the moment is um, in in need of more of a push to upskill our workforce. Is, is that what you're finding, Jamie, as well from your from your members? Yeah, I think agree with Nikesh that we have an issue at the moment where. We've talked for a long time, I think, in manufacturing and engineering about a skills gap um, and, and skill shortages. And it feels as though really in the last sort of 12, 18 months or so, we've gone from conversations about having enough people with the right skills to just having enough people full stop. We've stopped talking just about skill shortages and it is now an issue about labour shortages. And partly that's a result of, of just what's happened in the last couple of years in terms of the impact of leaving the EU and, and, and the pandemic and, and you know, various changes that have taken place in the workforce, not just in manufacturing, but, but across the economy. It's also to do with the sort of long-term really failure, I suppose, to address those long-standing issues around skills training, getting enough uh, young people um, studying the right subjects, the right qualifications, acquiring the right technical skills. 
Um, so I, I do think that's where we are. I think there are signs of progress when you know you look at the increasing number of young people who are taking STEM subjects at, at, at school level, um, particularly among girls as well. Um, you know, which will help to address perhaps some of the um, diversity and inclusion uh, issues that we sometimes encounter in the sector. Um, but I still think we've got some way to go in terms of achieving the parity of esteem for uh, technical and vocational education routes um, with, with academic routes. Um, I think we've had three or four years of a government that has talked a good game actually on, on uh, sort of increasing the priority attached to, to technical and vocational routes. Um, you know, we've got new qualifications coming through like T-levels, um, you know, and the intention of those is to put, you know, a technical route on an equal footing effectively to the academic route at post 16. Um, but it's, we've still got some way to go there. Um, and I think that's, that's crucial for our sector um, is making sure that, you know, actually that route is an attractive one for young people um, at the, and that they can see the value in acquiring those technical skills and the value of a career in manufacturing and engineering. Um, so I think there's, there's action for government in terms of, of achieving that parity of esteem between sort of technical education and academic routes. Um, but there's something for us as an industry as well, I think, about you know, how we attract those, those young people, new people into the sector. So where, where do you think the problem actually begins? I mean, do you think it's kind of low awareness of, of engineering jobs um, <clears throat> at, at kind of a, a school level? Or is it uh, maybe um, a kind of a failure to understand the particular details of the STEM skill shortage? What what do we actually need as a, as a nation? So we, we can't, we're not planning. Um, where do you think actually the, the problem really, really begins? That's to, that's to both Nikesh, whoever wants to... <laughs> <laughs> sure it's the, the funny part of webinars where you never know whether the question is directed at you yeah <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um no no um i mean you you hit them both actually Aaron. um i would say in both of those areas there's i wouldn't you know i wouldn't be able to we pinpoint one particular cause for this but mm -hmm. like you said you know it has to start at a very younger age even beyond university beyond college um right down to primary school age where children are misconceived about what an engineer perhaps may be um, and it comes from all sorts of things the media you know what what you see on television what is set on google for example you, you type the word engineer into google and you're not going to get an, a, an, a, an accurate depiction of what an engineer might be nowadays um, and that scares children they always think you know something might you know, their printer might have been broken in the school and a big sign saying the engineer is going to come fix this will mm -hmm. be stuck on the machine. And that's not always the case. You know, it might be a technician, but it's a mm -hmm. type of engineering. But again, that's never explained to the child. So they think that this is their conception of what engineering might be before they're even opened into the world of it. Um, and ironically, you know, it's not only engineering where that is, even with other tech and other subjects like economics and, you know, certain things like that. You don't start learning economics until a much later age. Um, so even then, um, the misconception of what, you know, an econo economist does 
is completely different. And the only problem here is in the UK, we are a service and economic-based sector. Mm -hmm. So that's more promoted in the school. So as students start to come of that age, they start telling them what the economic subject will be and loads mm -hmm. of students take up economics, but you don't have the same level in engineering. If they did the same thing, you know, when you start getting to about 15, 16 and start letting people like students know what, what an engineering degree would lead them into, what sort of roles they can have, what is being open to them, you know, the amount that the jobs that exist today weren't here five to 10 years ago. So mm -hmm. they, they might not even be aware of what jobs might be existing for them by the time they graduate. And it's that lack of clarity to them that causes them to be a little bit apprehensive to taking on an engineering sort of subject. So I think that's, that's, that's one of the keys, as you said. This Talking Industry episode is brought to you by Smart Futures, the latest news from the only online portal dedicated to the future of digitalization. Visit smartfutures.org.uk. Mm -hmm. And Jamie, what do, what do you think? Yeah, I think I agree with that. We can we can do better, I think, um, in terms of, of engaging at, at school level. And Nikesh is absolutely right. That's that's where it starts. It, it, it has to start probably at primary school. Um, and that means that I suppose there's you know a role for industry instead of going into local schools and and you know talking about what jobs in the sector look like, what they do, the contribution they make in the local community. Um, it's engaging with the teachers as well, to the people teaching the, the, the young people who probably themselves don't have a great idea of what manufacturing and engineering jobs look like. Um, and that goes all the way through, I suppose, from, from school to college to university, um, right up to you know when we're looking at say uh local job centers um mm -hmm. where work coaches sort of bringing new people um into the sector who may have worked in other sectors for example um you know those work coaches might not really understand what jobs in manufacturing and engineering look like so there's an issue of understanding i think that runs all the way through from sort of engaging with people at, at school age right up to, to the working age uh, population. I think there is also just a general thing about the perception of the sector mm. where I think uh, there are lingering perceptions of you know, manufacturing as quite old fashioned, oh, dominated by uh, manual labour, you know, the operation of heavy machinery. Um, you know, there are quite outdated um, views, I think, of, of what a manufacturing workplace looks like. Um, and so, again, that's, that's sort of partly down to industry to, to, to tackle those misconceptions. Make UK, uh, this year in July, organised the first National Manufacturing Day. Uh, where manufacturers across the country open their doors to, you know, let local schools, you know, people across the community come into their premises, you know, their factories, have a look around, talk to people, understand what, what those job and career opportunities look like. 
Um, and so it's stuff like that, I think, that is going to make the difference. Um, you know, meaning that young people, you know, their teachers, parents, um, you know, adults who are looking for work, all of those have a better understanding of just what the sector looks like and what they can get out of it in, in terms of employment and a career. Do you think that perhaps the actual term engineer needs to be protected um, rather than, um, because I know obviously in Germany, it's, it's the, the, the term engineer is a very, um, you know, when you say if you're an engineer in Germany and it, it, it's seen as a, a, a very um, kind of uh, on the same level as a doctor. Um, whereas perhaps in the UK, we don't know what engineer, like you're saying, you know, you could be um, not kind of demeaning any other roles such as, you know, being working in a, as a plumber or, um, or a boiler, you know, but, but people use the term very generically. Um, and perhaps the, the actual term engineer needs to kind of be, be protected so that kids will know or kind of give it more of um, a higher profile um, within, um, within, within the UK. Do you think that would help or I kind yeah, of yeah I think um I think it is it gives you like you said in Germany it has that status and it doesn't have it here in the UK and it, it it is often overlooked and I think you know I think Jamie mentioned that it's it's part of the awareness um, mm. of the the actual idea of stem you know those those four letters itself you know it's it can be very misconstrued a lot um and I think also the the awareness of how easy it is to start letting the future workforce know what we can do is also um, there's also a lack there and what I mean here is um, recently obviously I've mentioned I'm a STEM ambassador um, I didn't realize how easy the process was to become a STEM ambassador we've now spoken to the STEM um, the actual STEM hub in uh, York and they're asking us to make as many of our Gambica members possible giving us targets for making them STEM ambassadors too. Now once you get enrolled into the program um, it's a very simple platform you go onto it and they have all these different STEM ideas and different days where you can just register online and say I'm going to attend this event and I'm actually going to attend event and they're calling it it's it's a speed interviewing event and now we thought it was very interesting so what you do is you sit amongst year 11 and year 12 students and they interview about your job about what you've done you can talk to them about an old job you've done you can talk to them about a new job you've done and each one has one minute with you and then moves on it's almost like speed dating essentially um, but for students and I thought it was a brilliant concept because you know they're really reaching out to people within STEM careers to go and do things like that and it's it's so simple you know, once you become an ambassador you, you can go and do these sorts of things. And I think we need more encouragement of that sort of thing to make, you know, somebody at a CEO level or who's started from maybe perhaps not even going to university that might be able to do something like that to, to show these, the youth of today, what their capabilities can be. You know, they might end up in a suit. They might end up as a, you know, you know as, a, as a CEO, as a, as a different, as a, as a powerful position from starting in a, in a different role. But I don't think um, their perception is that you can do this in engineering. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think that needs to be um, enforced a little bit more that there are bigger opportunities and wider opportunities for the younger workforce in these areas.
Do you think it's maybe changing because um, with, with digitalization, the skills which are required for digitalization are perhaps seen as more high tech, um, kind of feels different. You know, coding is very important within that, um, <clears throat> you know, artificial intelligence and all the, you know, all the um, all, all the attributes of which, which go alongside digitalization. Perhaps, you know, um, when you look at, um, you know, when you when you go to school, you have uh, kind of the, the the traditional definitions of um, of you know, basic skills in literacy and numeracy, and perhaps alongside that, now there needs to be a commonly recognised this you know, kind of definition of what basic skills must you know continuously update digital skills. So that's almost should be part of the curriculum, you know, basic digital skills as well as literacy and and, and numeracy, and and then perhaps those will at least feed through to encouraging people to look further beyond. Um, you know what what the what engineering really is because once you understand what the digital skills can do, then maybe engineering would be a natural progression for for some kids, not everyone, but but for some but for some kids, maybe just the definition needs to change at, at kind of a school level. I think you're right, and as the as the as the jobs are changing, you do need to start changing the definition because there are digital skills which are so important that didn't exist or need to exist that many years ago. I mean, um, I give an example quite often where um, <clears throat> it's the, there's a theory of the paradox of automation. Um, so the paradox is where the more efficient the automated system is, the more vital the human involvement is. So, okay, yes, it requires less involvement, but the moment it does require involvement, it requires a very skilled level of human intervention that's able to manage that problem you know it's not it might not be something smaller like before but it's, you need a qualified human manager to be able to to deal with that problem so as systems become more and more and more automated the, that requirement from a human involvement is is vital it's crucial um, mm -hmm. you can see it in like var for football for example <laughs> you've got you've got a new technology that's been invented and now a referee has to learn how to work alongside it so that's a skill that you know, that's a very broad example, but it's something that we need to upskill the referees to be able to be able to work alongside it. It's a generic example, but it's the same. It resonates exactly the same in manufacturing. You know, you need to upskill the workforce to be able to deal with these things. So like you say, that basic level of digital skills should be start, start to be taught in schools just to, to bring them up to scratch from, from an early age. Yeah, and if we maybe look at kind of automation, as a as an example perhaps because some some people might say well with automation you know um some of the traditional skills can be automated we don't we don't necessarily need to to upskill and that we just need more automation what 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 would you say about that jamie uh, i suppose there are two sides to that the first is that um you know i suppose this you can't necessarily kind of automate yourself out of a, a, a skills gap um, because as you know as Nikesh and 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 yourself Aaron have, have, have rightly said you you need the, the people in the firm with the right skills to to you know sort of work with that new technology operate it maintain it um, and so actually that's creating a demand for higher level technical skills. Um, so rather than necessarily just sort of, um, you know, displacing or replacing 
jobs, we see automation as also creating new opportunities um, for, for people in the sector. Um, and it doesn't mean that all of those lower level skilled jobs are, 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 are lost either. But just sort of going back to that question about perception, because I think this is really, really important and sort of what does an engineer do? Mm-hmm. I mentioned before, you know, there's this um, sort of outdated perception of you know, manufacturing and engineering as being a bit sort of dusty, old fashioned, sort of lots of lots of manual labour, often quite low skilled and low paid as well. Um, you know, this is central to, to changing those perceptions. Um, and the, I suppose the point that I was making or, or trying to make was that um, you know, whoever it is, teachers, parents, young people, they don't really know that that's happening or don't necessarily know that that's happening uh, in our sector. And so we need to be able to communicate and show that that's happening. Um, you know, young people who you know might be really excited by you know robots, cobots, artificial intelligence, all of that kind of stuff, and just have no kind of real idea um, at, at the moment of, of what's happening. Um, so I think it's a really crucial part of, of attracting uh, new talent into the sector is showing what a sort of modern um innovative uh sector this is to work in um uh, and you know challenging that point as well to to go to the second question around it it sort of being you know maybe predominantly low skilled low paid jobs when you have things like automation creating those new high skilled opportunities it means that there are higher paid opportunities as well. Um, and we know that manufacturing as a whole pays, I think, somewhere around 12 to 13% above the average UK salary. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this is contributing to that, that sort of development and implementation of new technology. Okay, and we've just had a question from um, Colin Best who asks, do you think that one of the issues within manufacturing is that the controls automation engineers very rarely transition into engineering manager positions? Is, is it that the focus on engineering teams is still preventative maintenance? Do you see these skills that are hard to recruit tend to get knowledge locked in this sense? Thank you for listening to Talking Industry. Stay tuned across all podcast apps, Follow us on social, subscribe to our newsletters and keep up to date at talkingindustry.org.